good with you and that's since you've gathered with me back here in this place in this time for their Saturday evening ride into the pair of normal that we're all accounted for live every day as if there is no tomorrow because you never know what tomorrow may bring, tomorrow may bring. I know, my little life advice, those little lessons that come in from time to time. Hey, have you ever thought about, well, if it all ended one day? I mean, sure, you probably have. Uh, that's why I think it's important to hug your loved ones, to tell them how you feel because you may not see them tomorrow. I don't mean to freak you all out. I'm not big in doom and gloom, but you know what? Sometimes... Um, there's just that feeling out there that something might be on the horizon, and I'm not certain that it is at this particular point in time, but yet you never can know. So as far as that is concerned, just keep a head up because something could be popping up uh, at any moment. And let's just say it shouldn't really come as a surprise to us if we educate ourselves on what either of the possibilities happen to be. Even if it is nuclear war, nuclear power, um, tonight we're going to be talking about that and so much more with my guest Tom Pettit. But there's this story that... Um, is freaking some people out, and understandably so, because if you ever thought what you might do in a scenario such as this, I don't know, say that there is a major emergency, and emergency responders need to make it to wherever the problem is, yet they don't even know that there is a problem. And you might say, okay, Jeremy, why would they not know that there is a problem. Well, if their communication devices were acting up, were fouling up, were not relaying the information, can you see how that would be such a problem? You know, I've talked about an electromagnetic pulse or an EMP before on this program many times. 
And that is certainly a real deal kind of threat. But so is something of this like. And you can check this story by going to intotheparabnormal.wix.com slash ITP radio. By the way, we will be our own domain pretty darn quickly here. You know, week by week, this thing is flying by. People are jumping on board and they want to be involved with this and they're giving to the project and that allows me to do cool things. Some of those cool things include tonight, we're broadcasting live on Spreaker. We are on, of course, Radionomy and you can click the link to listen by going to intotheparabnormal.wix.com slash ITP radio, soon to be our own domain. And for those of you who are used to joining us on TuneIn, that stream is now live for you here tonight. Um, we're going through a bit of an adjustment with the stream provider. And so in that sense, the stream that we want to be sending to TuneIn um, is a different stream than the one we are sending tonight. But nonetheless, you can get to that by downloading the TuneIn Radio app and searching for Into the Parabnormal or by going to my website and clicking one of the links that you'll find readily accessible there. And while you're at the website, check out this story. Police baffled? Question mark. In Evanston, Illinois, there was... What was happening, a mystery transmitter blocked legal use of radio devices like those we might use to dispatch emergency responders, car key fobs, people who use those to access properties and even vehicles, cell phones being jammed, other transmitters were taken out, 911 calls were blocked. Now, police reached out to the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, and they directed them to the makers of the device. It's an amateur radio organization. They were sending out some pretty strong frequencies and were able to trace it all down. So you may think, well, it turned out to be okay. Well, in that sense, yes, but wake up. What might this technology be used for? Because clearly, if this were to be a real deal threat, they would certainly need to do testing of it, not something they would just roll out and expect to work. And if they were rolling on some national, on some, um, um, and it didn't work, well, they would have egg on their face, and we would know exactly what they were up to, or... So this might just be a small instance. Who knows what this company is plotting or if they're plotting something. You know, I'm big I don't to make them. There is evidence of such, and I don't believe that this company, without proper evidence, is plotting to use this in an evil, evil way. But, friends, you never, never know. And so the testing that uh, could or could not be happening uh Right there, there's a story in Evanston, Illinois, of an example of what might be just exactly that. So keep an eye out. Um, Certainly, as I see more examples 
that pop up, and hopefully there are no incidences. And even if there are, sometimes it's hard getting an official report. So I give the uh, folks at Hackaday.com credit for that story because at least they're getting the information out there. And like I always say, we'll let you be the judge. Tonight we're going to be talking about nuclear power and about UFO encounters. Connection? We'll let you be the judge on that as well. There is a story that will be featured in Carissa Flex Paranormal News at the bottom of the hour tonight where you'll get to hear from a gentleman who runs a YouTube channel and he is claiming that a blood moon event is caused by Planet X or Nibiru or however you want to say it. I guess it really does depend on who you ask, you might find a different explanation. But nonetheless, there you have it. Go check that out if you uh, if you want to hear more. I encourage you to stick around for the Paranormal Newscast. That will actually be featured next hour. But there, there this gentleman basically says... This is the smoking gun, and I have a hard problem with that. I have a hard problem when someone says smoking gun because nine times out of ten, it really isn't a smoking gun, and then they fall flat on their face. The telephone number tonight for you to call in is 818-672-6865. That's 818-672-6865. Six, five. And, of course, you can Skype the program as well. That's an app that you will find in your Google Play Store on whatever other mobile device you have. We encourage you to plug some earbuds in. The external microphone will usually do a pretty good job. You could use a headset, though, and certainly that's something that I recommend if you're calling in via your computer. You'll want to use that because those external mics on the computers are just not enough good quality to really, really sound amazing. But if uh, you want to give that a try, you can as well. And I would love to take your call tonight because we could talk about whether or not we are on a collision course with Planet X. And apparently it is sometime in mid-September that conspiracy theorists are claiming that this will actually happen. Um, now, of course, we just had a conspiracy theory not too long ago that uh, said there was going to be the, um, that the, um, magnetic poles were going to, were going to send us plummeting off the earth and that Jesus may have actually been the result of that. I know these, these people who make up these conspiracy theories, I know they, there's an audience for that and there's people who, eat it up but to me it comes and goes and it comes and then it goes and we're all still here so that's a problem to me the second coming of jesus that's a pretty bold statement and yet there was no second coming of jesus there was no flipping of the earth's magnetic poles actually about a month ago 
And so I don't believe that next month that we're going to have a problem with Nibiru either. But what do you have to say about that? 818-672-6865. That's 818-672-6865. I know we have some Canadians listening in the audience, and I plucked this one from the interwebs just for you. I know that many of you subscribe to some of these same theories, as do I, but I know that there are many of you who do not as well. As far as Canadians are concerned, there's an okay majority of them who believe in extraterrestrial life, as in the existence of ETs. But then about that point on, it starts to drop off. And by drop off, I mean in those who believe in other, um, in other things such as ghosts. And the afterlife, in fact, the numbers on that, 77%, and by the way, they they uh, surveyed 1,500 Canadians, 77% say that, yes, there's definitely or probably unexplained phenomena going on. 79% say intelligent life definitely or probably exists in the universe. 74% shoot down the idea of Bigfoot. And the Loch Ness Monster, cryptids, of course, that's 74% saying, yeah, I'm not going to sign up for that idea. So that means only 26% believe in cryptids. 36% say it's possible that we could communicate with those who have passed away. 30% say those who die are just, um, and who hang around as ghosts on Earth, are those who have unfinished business. And that is definitely a fascinating thought. Uh, I've always wondered, why would someone stick around, and why would somebody else take off? And it may be very, very simple, friends. They have unfinished business. So Canadians there, let's hear from you, 818-672-6865. That's 818-672-6865. I encourage your, uh, well, I, I invite you and I encourage you to take part uh, in this program tonight. We're going to get uh, deep into an issue on the program this evening about UFOs and about nuclear power. Is there a link? Think about that long and hard. Is there a link between nuclear power and UFOs? Well, if you do a little bit of a Google search, it will not take very long for you to find that, yes, indeed, there are many instances of UFOs around nuclear sites, and we're going to be talking about some of them tonight with my guest, Tom Pettit. He says yes to that question. There is a connection, and that Americans need to know that we are not in as much control of our nuclear weapons as we think. Pettit has been interested in extraterrestrials and the paranormal since as young as he can remember. He's a firm believer that ETs have been on this planet for not hundreds, not thousands, but millions of years. 
and he's researched UFOs and their military connections dating back to 1940. He's here now on the program from the East Coast, where we take you to the witching hour every Saturday night. Tom Pettit, welcome to Into the Parabnormal. All right, hang on one second. It's usually on my end when when that happens. Uh, Tom's probably talking right now, but you see, I can't hear Tom unless I click a button. I've clicked that button. Say hello, Tom. Hello, how are you doing? Good. It's a pleasure to uh, speak with you. Are you staying cool wherever you're at in these fine United States? Because for me, it's you know, it's 95 degrees right now. It's very, very sticky. Uh, but good thing is I'm inside with a, a nice breeze blowing my direction. How about you? Yeah, it sounds like uh, the same weather here. Too hot. Oh, very hot. It's been hot all summer. Yeah, of course. I've been in a I've 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 been baked uh for the last 6 months and I mean that baked by the sunshine so I'm I'm ready for the summer to be over. I really am friends. I tell that to everyone around here and they're saying, "Hey, you know, it's Oregon, it's the Pacific Northwest and we get a lot of rain from say September all the way to probably March and beyond." So they think I'm the craziest person ever, but I've literally been through six months of a summer, and I'm ready for it to be all over and done with. Tom, let's learn a little bit about you uh, prior to diving into this subject material. So how young were you when you first uh, struck up a, a fascination with extraterrestrials and UFOs and things deemed paranormal? Well, I was in uh, I was in grade school, and I was probably eight, nine, ten years old. And I've always been into uh, space and the uh, the space program. I grew. I was fortunate enough to grow up during the uh, the Apollo program, and I got to watch all the Apollo programs and uh, a lot of the very the very uh, first NASA programs. And uh, from there, I just grew. I've always been interested in astronomy. I'm an avid uh, amateur astronomer, and I uh, just started investigating UFOs now, at Tom, a young age. Do you know what's going to happen tonight? You mentioned astronomy. There's a big event. Uh, uh, Jupiter yes. and Venus are on a collision course. They're not going to crash into each other, but there's a good chance right about now, You, if you were in the right place, you might see that uh, over on the East Coast where you're at. Yeah, it'll, it'll be in a cult. They'll they'll literally pass by one another um, in, in in a straight line of view. And that's something that happens rare from an yeah. astronomy perspective. Yes, it is. It doesn't happen very often. Uh, the planets are constantly passing between one another, but uh, to have a planet this big and a planet this small passing, uh, yeah, it is kind of rare. So if you uh, hear, or rather if you see, I want to hear from you, 818-672-6865. So with Tom, because of his background, uh, if you're seeing some sightings, you know, it's about uh, 1025 now on the East Coast, uh, 925 in Texas. So actually, you two um, uh, demographics, uh, the central time zone and the eastern time zone, are probably going to be experiencing this at any time. Of course, here in Oregon in the Pacific Northwest, we've still got bright sunshine and blue sky out right now. So I'm actually going to be able to see this after the program here tonight. And I'll certainly be tweeting and Facebooking if I uh, see anything. Uh, if you see anything, 818 or Skype into 
parabnormal. So you believe that extraterrestrials have been here for quite a long time, huh, Tom? Oh, yes. They've been here for, for, uh, for millennia. Uh, they started coming here uh, thousands, if not millions of years ago uh, to investigate this planet and to investigate us. And uh, I'm a firm believer that, they've, uh, that they're still here now and they will always be here. So why hasn't there been definitive proof, say an extraterrestrial body or a sighting that has been talked about by major media where we're saying, yep, it's true? Well, they, the, I, I believe the military has bodies, the military has craft, uh, but the major media is told by the government and they are told uh, not to talk about this. And usually when, a, when a, an event happens, uh, the media will cover it, but they'll cover it in a very comical way. They'll say, oh, look, the, the green men are back again. And, uh, that, that's just the way our society is. Uh, our government does not want to come forward with the information they have to tell us that it's the truth, uh, basically because they've been told not to by the extraterrestrials and... They don't want to look like fools, and that would make them look like fools to us. We've been that they've been lying to us for years and years, sixty years or better. So someday that point is going to come, but it hasn't come yet. We're going to be talking about the connection with nuclear sites and UFO connections tonight with my guest Tom Pettit as we're just getting underway and we have lots of time for you tonight. This is Paranormal News and I'm Carissa Flack. It's a site not to be seen again for almost 50 years. Venus and Jupiter, the two brightest planets in our solar system, are passing each other so close in fact that they appear to nearly touch, lighting up the sky in parts of the U.S. and Canada. It's the closest they'll come to each other until 2065. The event is known as an impulse. So consider this before wondering if aliens are invading us. Keep your eyes just above the western horizon around dusk to see this rare sky show. If you do see it, Jeremy wants to hear from you. Why are former NASA scientists speaking out about UFOs and alien life? Is it a sign of the agency hiding evidence? In light of recent anomalies with Saturn, longtime NASA and aerospace industry scientist Dr. Norman Bergen claims Saturn's rings were created by electromagnetic vehicles, possibly controlled by intelligent beings. He says 7,000-mile-long ships are orbiting the second largest planet and eliminating visible exhaust. Bergen believes they are being manufactured at an alarming rate and taking energy from the rings of Saturn, Jupiter, and Uranus. He suggests the ships are also orbiting the sun, posing a danger to Earth and the rest of the solar system. On the other hand, NASA is making all of its public-funded research accessible for free. They must post it within a year of publication. The move comes after the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy directed NASA and other agencies in 2013 to increase public access to their research. Who knows what we may learn? Just don't expect anything on the moon landing. Items relating to national security are excluded. Four to five say yes, extraterrestrial life does exist. I want to hear from a Canadian tonight, a a tasty. Um, It's an international call for you, 818-672-6865. 
And, of course, you can Skype into Parabnormal and sound really cool tonight as we were talking with Tom Pettit uh, right before the bottom of the hour break with Carissa Flex, Parabnormal News. Uh, we were just getting ready to lay the groundwork for our conversation tonight. Uh, Tom, did you want to complete your thought? Well, I just want to say that um, the, the statements and the information that I'm uh, about to give you um, has uh, is all based on my research and my uh, extensive uh, documents that I have and the testimony of a lot of very brave people that have come forward uh, to talk about this stuff, uh, especially uh, a man named Robert Hastings, who has done uh, 25 to 30 years, maybe more, 40 years of research into this. And uh, he, he's a very brave man who used to work in the Air Force, and now he's probably the leading person on this topic. How far back does the connection between nuclear power and UFOs go? Um, probably a very long time, huh? Yeah, it goes back to the 40s. It goes back to uh, uh, probably about 1944, 43, we started playing with uh, uh, nuclear bombs. That's when we were building the nuclear bombs. And at that time... Uh, at the various places around the country that was producing the ingredients for these bombs, that the mechanisms, uh, they had many, many sightings of UFOs over these facilities. And at that time, they, uh, they really didn't know what they were. They didn't know what to do about them. They would come in, they would fly around a bit, they'd stop, and then they would shoot off into the sky. And this happened at... Most, if not all, facilities that were producing uh, components for the nuclear bombs that they dropped on uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1945. Mm -hmm. So 1947, there was a little bit of a tie-in with Roswell, wasn't there? Yes, there was. The uh, 509th Bomb Group, which was based in Roswell, New Mexico, uh, at the time... 1944-45, in the area that they were developing the bomb, was the only bomb group in the world that had the capability of delivering a nuclear weapon to another country uh, by air. So these people were very special people that worked there. These were the highly selected, highly trained individuals. There was a very tight-knit group there. Um, in fact, most of them didn't even know what they were about to do. There were very few people that knew about the atomic bomb, and even the people that worked on the bomb, some of them had no idea what this thing was until after it was dropped. Tom Pettit, my guest tonight, do you have a UFO story? Are you seeing the pulse of uh, Venus and Jupiter out there tonight? 818-672-6865, or you can Skype into Pair Abnormal. I want to get your reaction to a couple of stories a little bit later on, but let's kind of, I guess, start with um, the the first or one of the first early uh, encounters uh, involving UFOs around uh, nuclear operations. Besides Roswell, take us back to one of the early ones, Tom. Well, if you want to go way back, I don't know how far back you want to go, but we can go back to. Um the, the uh, 
the Amaras of India. And at that time, we're looking at about 5,000 years ago, uh, according to legend and according to what the India uh, religious books have said, uh, there was what seemed to be an atomic war in the sky. Uh, they could they could reason with this because as these battles took place overhead, after the battles had been completed, um, they seemed to have a radioactive fallout. The symptoms these uh, people were getting were very similar to uh, radioactivity sickness, in other words, radiation sickness. And uh, at the time, the Buddhist religion uh, in that area, they were very tolerant and they were uh, very acceptable of these flying ships in the sky. So they just took it as, I guess, this is what's supposed to happen. So India, about 5,000 years uh, ago, and then in the States here, uh, 1944, we actually had a question sent in uh, from the Facebook page, a little bit off this particular topic, but I don't mind sneaking these in. Do you know anything about the UFO that was sitting on top of the Bonaventure Hotel in Montreal, Canada, back in 1990? Uh, we bring that up because this is actually somebody who was interested in the poll from earlier tonight about Canadians believing in extraterrestrial life. Uh, according to that poll, four out of five say they believe. Tom, do you know anything about that particular event? No, I don't. That's very interesting. I've never heard of that before. Was it was it a, a a gag or was it supposedly a real UFO? Yeah, that's a very good question as well. All right, so what is the connection in your mind between these nuclear power sites and UFOs? If they are being powered by an extraterrestrial, something out of this world, um, it's not too hard to think that they might be there just simply because they're fascinated with whatever is happening. Um, obviously, uh, there's lots that goes on around nuclear power plants, but we also see UFOs around uh, war times and everything. Well, sure. There's There's been uh, many, many sightings. In fact, most nuclear power plants in the world uh, have which there are 442 of them in 31 different countries. And nuclear most of sites? Nuclear power plants. Wow. These are just the plants that produce electricity. There's 442 of them. And pretty much every one of these plants has had some sort of UFO activity around them. Strange lights in the skies. Uh, the, the vehicles move in over the plant or very close to the plant and stop and... We don't know what they just sit there, and then they fly off at a very high rate of speed. And uh, not only at the nuclear power plants, but also at the uh, nuclear missile sites. And that's something that has our government uh, very, very concerned Mm -hmm. about on what to do about that. Anything relating to North Korea, Tom, there's speculation that they may be manufacturing um, nuclear weapons. Uh, Do we know about any UFO sightings around North Korea? 
uh, that, that I can gather about North Korea is, yes, they probably have developed a nuclear weapon. Uh, supposedly they detonated one back in the late spring. Um, but as far as UFO sightings in North Korea, very, very hard place to get information out of. Um, personally, I haven't been able to pull up much of anything on North Korea. Just very, very difficult place to get information mm-hmm. out of. Yeah, it's like an information. Uh, there's like an information dead zone over there, as far as that's concerned. They, they're oh, exactly. Actually, they're actually going uh, a lot on um, like satellite reports. There's actually this organization that monitors the activity over there by satellite. I'm not sure how accurate it is, but there's something definitely going on with North Korea and and nukes. Um, does the United States have nuclear weapons? Oh, sure they do. Um, As of August of 2016, there are nine nations with nuclear weapons. A total count of 37,000 warheads are available on demand, and 27,000 of them are armed and are ready to deploy to a target. Um, From 1945 to 1992, the U.S. tested 1,054 nuclear bombs. We used two of them on Japan. Uh, and Trinity was the first test in 1945. Do you believe that we've probably used them since? Uh, against our own planet? No, I mean, I mean that, that we may, yeah, I, I guess it would be against our own planet. Uh, yeah, stranger um, things have happened, Tom. That, 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 other than testing... I have no information that, that we've actually used one in aggression or uh, in a defensive mode at all. No. 818-672-6865. That's 818-672-6865. Now, as far as the American people, how, how educated would you say the average person is about nuclear weapons, nuclear warfare, and the real threat that it poses to you and I? Um, today, compared to uh, the, the late 60s, um, early 70s, and maybe into the mid-70s, I don't think people are really concerned anymore. I think we've, we've been through that phase of, of worry, and we don't really think about it much anymore. Mm-hmm. But the research that I and others have done... Uh, people should be should be concerned about this because uh, it does raise a red flag, in my opinion, and it does make our government very nervous. Uh, we cannot control these objects that are around our nuclear facilities. Um, some of them can shoot beams of light down into the facilities, possibly probing them to see what they actually are. Um, and they have a real nasty... A thing they do, they can turn our nuclear weapons on and turn them off at will. Um, there's no understanding of how or why they can do that. Uh, the government will say, the Air Force will usually say that it is an equipment malfunction. But uh, this equipment is designed so it doesn't malfunction like that. Uh, one or two missile heads could go down. That's not normal. But it doesn't raise anybody's eyebrows. But some of these sites have had 20 or 30 of, of the warheads have gone down. And it takes hours to bring them back up online. 
So uh, I think people should be concerned about this. Um, I don't think there's a solution to it. But 37,000 warheads that can be delivered on demand, where are these warheads as we speak? Are they hiding in a bunker somewhere? Sure, they're all in silos. They're loaded on the backs of, of mobile artillery trucks. They're in submarines. They're in airplanes. Um, they're all over the place. They they hide them very well. Some of them are out in the open. Now, you go out west, and there's a lot of uh, very large missile complexes out there that, that spread over uh, 100, 120 square miles. That's their missile base. Uh, they spread the missiles out. Uh, they hide them pretty well. Mm-hmm. Hey, do you think that we'll reach the point where it's going to kind of going to be, I don't want to show you my guns until you show me your guns kind of situation uh, between the powers that be? And I guess if that is the situation, that's probably the best scenario because we don't want to reveal what we have. Neither does North Korea and neither do uh, all these other countries because if you show us what you have, we just might go out and get something ten times powerful. Oh, sure. Uh, back during during the uh, late 70s and into the 80s, when, when Reagan took over, uh, they set up a, a, a situation that uh, between Russia and the United States, the biggest nuclear powers on the planet, and they came to an agreement to, okay, we'll dismantle 20,000 missiles if you dismantle 20,000 missiles. And supposedly they went ahead and they did that. They did that several times, um, mutually agreed to start to disarm, start to scale back uh, the Cold War craziness that we were in at that time where we had probably two to three times as many missiles as we do today. Um, And they called it mutual destruction. If one launched, the other one was going to launch, and they're basically being not. I say that again. We, we missed that last part, Tom. They, they call it mutual destruction. If the U.S. launches all its missiles at Russia, Russia launches all its missiles at us, and they call that mutual destruction. Mm-hmm. Why do you believe that there hasn't been a nuclear war yet? For my research... And from the people that I believe that know, uh, the extraterrestrials have told us many times and have told a number of people that are credible that they will not allow those missiles to be launched. And they have proven it by flying over these sites and turning these missiles on and turning them off. And probably the scariest situation was over in Russia. At one point, they had several missiles that was down. It's almost a complete wing that was down uh, for maintenance or whatever. And there was no way they could turn these missiles back on until they were fixed. Uh, the craft showed up over the missile site, and all of a sudden, all the missiles were ready to launch. They were activated, and they were ready to launch. And that really scared um, the Russians badly about this. 
if nine nations have these nuclear warheads, why are they holding on to them? Um, well, they're hanging on to them because they are a big deterrent. Um, I think that's one reason why, uh, I wouldn't say enemies, but countries that don't get along with one another real well, like Pakistan and India, they're not known for getting along too well. They're both nuclear powers. Uh, so I think that keeps them behind the wall. They, they may yell at each other over the wall, but they're not going to lob anything over that wall to intentionally destroy the other because it would be a mutual destruction. Mm-hmm. You know, one, one, one blows up, the other one's going to blow up. Do you believe that nuclear war is a real threat, listeners? The telephone number is 818-672-6865. That's 818-672-6865. Tom, why have you not written a book about this? Um, there's, quite, there's a few books out on the market about this. Um, I may write a book. I've, I've got enough that I think you're going to write a book about a lot of things. Um, just time. Um, uh, I haven't no, just I sat down yeah. and... I know what you mean by that. Not enough hours in the day. Yeah. Another, another point I want to bring up is uh, with all these nuclear reactors and nuclear bombs, there's also a, a huge problem with the, with the nuclear waste. And I don't know if a lot of people know about how much waste the nuclear. Well, I believe here in Oregon there's actually a chemical weapons depot uh, that they've been working on for decades to clean mm-hmm. up. So I'm actually familiar with that, Tom. And what danger does that present? Well, uh, the world produces about 250,000 tons of nuclear waste. That's just nuclear waste per year. Um, and about there's about seven hundred thousand tons of nuclear waste, high level nuclear waste, in storage right now, just in this country. And uh, uh, this deadly nuclear waste will be deadly to humans for the next two hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand years. In other words, we have to store this stuff, and it'll be almost half a million years before this stuff will be safe to get near. What would happen to someone should they come in contact with this stuff? Oh, you would... It, uh, radiation sickness, radiation exposure, it, it, it's not good stuff. Uh, blisters, and uh, you start to bleed. Uh, it, it's just not a real It's not a real fun way to go. No, I, I, I doubt not. Do you believe that this is going to come to a head maybe in your lifetime or maybe in your kid's lifetime? A war? Yeah. Will Will there be a nuclear war of epic proportions? I don't think so. I don't think uh, uh, I don't think we're dumb enough to do that. And let's hope not. I, re- I, re- I, I, I hope that. Uh, extraterrestrial influence is true, that they will step in and say, no, you're not going to destroy this planet. Uh, They care more about the planet than they do us. They care about us, too, but they don't want to see this planet be destroyed because it is kind of a special place, and that's why they're here investigating it. 
Tom, we're going to take our bottom of the hour break, and we're going to come back with more in the next hour. My guest tonight is Tom Pettit, and we've got so much happening tonight that you could weigh in on. If you're seeing this a pulse, this connection uh, between Jupiter and Venus, something that we will not be seeing again until the year 2065 at least, Call me up, 818-672-6865. That's 818-672-6865. Or you can Skype into Pair Abnormal. What speaks highly about Tom's case is he doesn't have any books to sell. He doesn't have anything for you to buy. He doesn't even have a website. And so for him, he's sharing what he has gathered over the years. this weekend and then i'm off for labor day weekend but we've got a great show planned for you i'm digging into my vault for some fascinating conversations we're going to be talking with seti's seth shostak i just saw him on um, a program on the science channel today he's literally all over the place he's a big deal we're going to be talking about the search for ET life. And then we're going to look back on the life of the late, great Dr. Edgar Mitchell, the sixth man on the moon, my guest from Free, the organization that Dr. Mitchell created, will be Ray Hernandez. And that's next Saturday night on the program, into the Parabnormal for Labor Day weekend. Tomorrow, my guest will be on my first Sunday special at the very same time as this program, Preston Dennett, as we're going to be talking about extraterrestrial and ET encounters. Tonight, we're talking about nuclear war, about the connection with UFOs and nuclear power. And my guest is Tom Pettit. You can find him on Facebook or click the link that you'll find in the description uh, for tonight's program. Uh, we're talking with Tom about the history of nuclear power, uh, how far back the connection with UFOs dates, the 509th Operations Group and their role in the 1947 Roswell incident, how far back legend dates in the world and in the United States about 5,000 years and about the real threat that is nuclear warheads. 27,000 of these are armed to deploy. They're occupied by nine nations and there are 442 nuclear power plants 
worldwide. Which nations have these, Tom? Uh, the nations, the nations that have the power plants. See if I can find them here. Would be America, Canada. Uh, would also be uh, Russia. Would be Great Britain. Would be Australia, India, Pakistan. And there's quite a few more. Most of your modern technology nations uh, have the ability to build nuclear weapons and especially have the ability to, uh, to, to build nuclear power plants. Uh, it's, but the, the, a lot of the problems we're seeing with the nuclear power plants is uh, sometimes they go very, very bad wrong. Uh, some of the, the recent uh, power plants that have failed where uh, Fukushima, yeah, Fukushima in Japan mm-hmm. um, was, uh, of course, Three Mile Island in the United States, and the Russian plant that failed. Uh, the, the probably the biggest one that has caused a major problem of of lately was Fukushima. Uh, Fukushima happened when it when a tidal wave came in and it flooded the plant, cutting off the uh, power to the plant, and basically sending the plant into a meltdown. And the they had basically no idea what to do. They had no plan of how to stop this plant from going into an out-of-control situation. So for a while, they just basically stood there and watched it. And there have been a lot of reports coming out of the Fukushima area uh, coming from the workers that were there, uh, coming from policemen, and coming from uh, people on shore, because Fukushima's out on an island, people on shore, they could look out there and they could see strange lights in the sky. And uh, they didn't know, they, they thought they were helicopters or something. But uh, they, from the witnesses say, they were extraterrestrial craft that had come over and had sent beams of light down into the reactor that was wide open, and they literally dropped the radiation levels in half. And they basically made it tolerable for the Japanese to get in there and to start sealing this uh, wide-open nuclear reactor core off. Uh, Up to that point, everything they sent into that core to even look at it was destroyed by the radiation. So that's, that was a very interesting fact that I found. And uh, I do have that backed up on documentation, and there are a lot of people uh, that will say the same thing. What happens in the moments after such a breach like Fukushima, um, after that J- uh, Japan earthquake and tsunami, in the moments, in the days that pass after such a breach? Can you walk us through that? What happens after the breach? Yeah, as far as the components of the nuclear plant that start to shut down and then the dangers that that, pose, or that, that poses to the general public. Okay, what basically happened at Fukushima, um, which 
happens at several has has happened several times at other nuclear plants is the uh, the the nuclear rods that that actually boil the water to make steam. They're the radioactive rods. They boil water and make steam that turns turbines, that turns generators, and produces electricity. Well, this water. It's like a giant swimming pool, and these rods are stuck in this water. And by lowering the rods into the water and bringing them out, they can vary the amount of temperature and vary the amount of steam. Uh, But there has to be a constant flow of water through these huge pools. They have to bring water in from the ocean or a lake or a river uh, to keep these rods under control and to produce the steam. And then it's flushed back out into the lake, the river, whatever. Um, but what happens is when they lose electricity, the pump stops. Mm. So if the pumps stop, the water stops flowing around the rods, the rods start to heat up. And they heat up very quickly until they get to a point where they literally, all the water is evaporated out of those pools, builds up tremendous amount of pressure inside this vessel. They call it a vessel that they sit in. And just like a steam is very powerful stuff, it literally will blow the top off of these reactors. They cannot prevent them from blowing up. And that's what happens. Uh, that's what happens at these reactors. Then they start spewing hundreds of tons of radioactive material into the sky. Uh, and and it, can, it can drift for thousands and thousands of miles. The Fukushima... Uh, radioactivity drifted as far as California. They detected it at high altitudes. Wildlife and human life in its path better get the heck out of Dodge, huh? That's why they say oh, sure. run, run in the oh, case yeah. of a tsunami. Oh, sure. As it, it's, it's really, it's really uh, the way they build these, these reactors, it's really silly because at Fukushima, the, uh, the generators were in the basement. They were below sea level, so I don't think I would want that engineer to redesign this plant. I would have these generators at a much higher level than in the basement. Mm -hmm. Would the person who is immediately exposed to this um, start to their would their body start to shut down uh, right away? Is that something that would maybe? Uh, set in, you know, days, hours later? Yeah, it, it depends on how much exposure you get. Uh, if, if, you know, if you're, I'm not sure of the exact levels of radiation uh, that a human body can take before it instantly kills them, mm-hmm. but most of the people, the workers that go in to help contain these reactors when they're opened up, most of them they start to see side effects of uh, nuclear poisoning uh, within a few days, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of them die. They, uh, you can't. The human body can only absorb so much, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and it will kill you. Uh, do animals have a similar immune system as far as the tolerance to this as well? Oh, oh sure, yeah, yeah. But animals are depends on the animal. Some of the animals like fish and stuff. I I believe they can tolerate more than we can, but oh, really? it's still very it's very dangerous on uh, on on animal cells. 
Tom Pettit, my guest tonight. You're listening to Into the Paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott. Our telephone number is 818-672-6865. You can Skype into the Paranormal as well. And if you are seeing the uh, a pulse, that event where Venus and Jupiter uh, are passing very, very closely tonight as if they appear to touch something that will not be experienced to get until 2065. Tom, has have you seen this in your neck of the woods yet tonight? No, I have not. It's it's pretty cloudy here right now. It's been raining off and on all day, so yeah, it's not real clear skies right now. Yeah, you got to be in the exact uh, point to see this. In fact, about five degrees up above the western horizon, it's got to be a clear sky, and so you've obviously got to go in an area where you can see uh, the horizon because not every uh, geographical area you're going to find that maybe even within driving location, you know, in a residential neighborhood, you may not get a very good. Uh, view of that. But if you have seen it tonight, or if you're outstanding watching and uh, hoping you might see this, uh, give me a call. I'd like to talk with you at 818-672-6865. That's 818-672-6865. So it seems pretty doom and gloom as far as if we had such an event that starts the, uh, the, the, the chain reaction of a nuclear plant breaking down, the reactors heating up, and then eventually bubbling over the top and spewing you and I. I would hate to be uh, the man, the pet, or the alien who is exposed to this type of radiation um, because you probably would immediately start to see your uh, and feel your body start to shut down and there really was nothing that that you can do about this or is there tom if you if your body does start to shut down from a um a radiation situation uh are there treatments is there something that can reverse that or are you doomed i, I would imagine it, it depends on the, the the type of radiation and the level also yeah. depends on it and, and it depends on the level that you receive. Uh, that certain levels, uh, certain organs in the body are affected, uh, and, and and other levels the body isn't affected at all. But uh, most of the like the uh, the people in Hiroshima and Nagasaki that survived the the bombing in 1945. Uh, they suffered not only from the radiation sickness, which your hair falls out, your fingernails fall out, you vomit a lot. It's uh, it's just it's nasty. And if you survive that, uh, then there's the radiation burns. You know the burns are very nasty things. Um, if you survive that, then uh, for generations and generations, there can be uh, gene damage inside you that you can pass down. To uh, to your offspring, mm-hmm. so uh, there there are still uh, people in Japan right now that are still suffering from uh, a bomb drop that's seventy years old. So it uh, and they took very low levels of radiation. Uh, so it, it it's something that if it happens to you and you're lucky enough to survive, um, it, it takes a long, long time for your system to return to normal. Tom, what do you consider the most concerning issue facing our nuclear world? Uh, probably, probably the waste. The, the the nuclear waste is is a huge problem. Uh, we don't. 
in the United States, we are accepting nuclear waste from other countries, from France, from Canada, and there are, uh, I believe, two or three other countries that we are accepting their nuclear waste (laughs) is coming into our country. And a lot of people don't know that. It's a... uh, it's kind of a troubling thing why these why these countries are are bringing their nuclear waste here, uh, but that's the agreement that our government has with their government. Um, so they're bringing it here probably because we have much better ways of storing it. It seems to be safer, but uh, I don't know how you can store something for two hundred and fifty thousand years and say it's going to be safe. Well, and how many hands that would pass through as if, uh, you know, you you deal with this now and then somebody else deals with it and then the next person deals with it and on and on and on. We really might not be handling it as best as we could. Exactly. And one of uh, one of their hopes of the Nuclear Regulatory Commission is that we can find ways and we are finding ways very slowly of how to use this waste in a useful way, in a lower level radioactivity, you know, radioactivity, whether it's to power submarines or to power boats, or you know, who knows in the future what what this could, what we could use this for to power. But my opinion of it is, uh, I think we should just get rid of the stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't think we are capable of handling it. We're definitely not capable of controlling it. And that's really frightening. If you can't control uh, something this powerful, in my opinion, you shouldn't have it. You don't give a five-year-old uh, a shotgun, mm. a loaded shotgun. Hello, and, that's and welcome. Well, say, say that again, we Tom. Uh, you, we can't control the nuclear power. Uh, it, it's it's way advanced. Uh, and the extraterrestrials even tell us that. They tell us you have to get rid of this. You can't control it. Uh, you don't know enough about it. Is there a possibility that uh, these UFO sightings might be hiding some sort of nuclear activity? As in no. di- uh, directing our attention elsewhere? No, I don't think so. I think they're... Uh, their 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 purpose is to let us know that they're not happy with what we're doing with this stuff. Um, they're showing us that they can turn this stuff on and off. They can they follow our nuclear submarines. Anything nuclear powered, they've been there. Uh, people have seen them in the area. Of, of, of nuclear power, whether it's a submarine or it's a missile base or it's a nuclear reactor or it's a, uh, it's a waste dump. Mm-hmm. Um, they know where all this stuff is at. It's very easy for them to find it, and they're monitoring it. And if we get a little frisky and decide to use it, um, they've shown and they've told us we will turn it off. You can't play with this toy right now. This, you know, you're... You're going to destroy this planet, and we're not going to let you do it. 818-672-6865, Skype into Paranormal, Tom Pettit, my guest tonight. There's a couple of stories I'd like to get your reaction to, Tom. Uh, but prior to that, anything that we haven't covered tonight on this topic? 
Um, there's some big. There were some big stories uh, about this. Uh, Maelstrom Air Force Base was was a big one uh, that was in Montana, uh, and that happened in 1967. Uh, that had uh, 18 warheads were shut down, and that's all documented by the United States Air Force. Uh, there are signed affidavits. Many signed affidavits from uh, from the officers that were on duty from the uh, from the command officers that were on duty mm-hmm. and how these warheads were shut down and some of them were turned right back on and then they were shut down again. Like turned and on by who or by themselves? By there were UFOs over the base. Hmm. They were in the area and they were over the base. And the people, the guards up topside uh, were in contact with the guys in the ground in the command center and said there's something in the sky up here uh, and they're shooting beams of light into the silos and the guys in the ground were saying yeah we're going down they're shutting us down and you know they didn't they didn't shoot at them in some cases of this they actually scrambled aircraft uh, they they were seen on radar and they scrambled the aircraft into the area and when the aircraft got into the area the uh, vehicles quickly departed the area, and they were gone. Mm-hmm. And this isn't something that just has happened back in the 60s. This happens today. When is the uh, the, the most recent sighting that uh, you've got caught wind of? The, the most recent sighting that I have was probably in... Was at a nuclear reactor plant in Arkansas, and that was in uh, 2014. Um, it, it takes a while for these stories to get out. Uh, you have to have uh, people that have worked there. They're on very high security. They have their security is very tight, and they're told don't talk about stuff you see, especially if you see a UFO over the plant. You know. They just tell them to shut up and don't say nothing. Mm-hmm. This did not happen. So uh, probably 2014, 2015 in that area has, was was a, the, the earliest one that I have uh, mm-hmm. to date. And that was in Arkansas. And that was that was UFOs over a nuclear plant. And they did, they didn't shut nothing down, but the the instrumentation fluctuated inside the building. It's time to wake up, everybody. Nibiru is knocking on our door. Oh, boy, another doomsday prediction. A new conspiracy theory suggests the hidden planet X is hurtling through our solar system. They say scientists and our governments have also been covering it up. Video on YouTube claims to show planet X alongside a blood moon, which this man says is the cause of the event, marking the beginning of the end. It is my philosophy that the planet is so close to Mother Earth that it is literally turning the moon red. While conspiracy theorists have claimed for years that Planet X will wreak havoc on Earth, this is the first to link it to a blood moon event. Only a handful have been seen in the last 2,000 years. Are you finding it hard meeting people who believe in the paranormal like you? Maybe move to Canada, where according to a new survey, nearly four out of five people believe in the existence of aliens. But that's where the overwhelming numbers end. Most of the 1,500 participants don't think that aliens have already visited Earth and do not believe the government has covered up anything on flying saucers or aliens. 
74% of Canadians don't subscribe to cryptoids. Just under half believe in psychics. Only 36% believe we can communicate with the dead. And 30% say those people who die with unfinished business hang around as ghosts. This weekend, I'm investigating the Haudemann Mansion in Pennsylvania. I love staying in haunted places, and this weekend, we've invited the public to bring their sleeping bags and stay overnight with us. This is a sold-out event, and I'm so happy to be here hosting this. This four-floor house is where Native Americans lived and has a long history of being a creepy, haunted location. I was lucky enough to come check it out earlier in the week with Philip Syracuse. We experienced everything from footsteps to hearing voices whispering behind us. It's sure to be a wild night, and I sure hope the 20 people who bought tickets are ready to be spooked. I'm Carissa Fleck. I would not want to be near one of these places in the event of a nuclear uh, situation, a breach or whatever we want to call it, because it doesn't look good for those of you who are. Do you think that nuclear war is a real threat? I want to hear from you. Tomorrow night, I'm here with Preston Dennett. That's right. You get me both nights this weekend. Two shows for the price of one. Free is a very good price. And then next week, I will uh, be taking the uh, program off. But you will have a great show nonetheless. You'll even actually hear from me, but I won't be sitting here in the studio live. You will be hearing an interview from um, a previous program as I dig back into my archive. We've got two guests next week. We've got Seth Shostak from SETI, and we've got Ray Hernandez from Free. As we're going to be talking about uh, extraterrestrial life with Seth and about the late Dr. Edgar Mitchell with Ray Hernandez. And then I'll be back live in two weeks with Don Phillips. You recognize the name. He usually appears with the Washington State Poltergeist House Gang. Uh, And he's going to be back on his own directly from the U.K. early in the morning. He has quite a lot of evidence as it relates to the paranormal, ghost hunting, EVPs, and whatnot. Stephen Bassett will be coming up on the program in October, in fact. Stephen Bassett, the disclosure guy, Paradigm Research Group. And, of course, tomorrow night, my first Sunday special. Um, you can, of course, hear us live on my website through the Radionomy app. Uh, or on Radionomy.com, on Spreaker, Spreaker.com, on the Spreaker app, and on the TuneIn radio app. There's a bit of a situation going on with the archives on YouTube, because even though I have a license to play the music that you are hearing tonight, there is a fight involving the music companies and rights to put those on YouTube. Now, I understand the law is the law, and you can't post one of these songs directly up on YouTube and leave it there, at least for a long amount of time, because it will get flagged, it will get removed, and if you're trying to establish credibility with your YouTube channel, well, it's going to go down the tubes because you're going to be getting copyright strikes. So the past few shows, there have been some incidents. In fact, the Peter Robbins show is not available because there's an error with the YouTube editor where I could remove those songs from the YouTube file and the show could continue. But there's an error with that that will not allow me to remove one of those songs that they deem I do not have the rights to play, even though I clearly do. 
they don't want it up on YouTube, and so they're fighting me over that. So that program, if you try to play it, it's going to say blocked. It's blocked in like 200 countries. And if you try to listen to the program from last week with Eugene Braxton, well, it'll play, but there will be no audio. So we've moved the podcasts over to Spreaker because Spreaker has its own app, and they have a website. There's also a a little bit of an issue going on with making sure that that player properly shows up on my website. But I'm going to get that all worked out. Like I said, in a couple of weeks, we'll be rolling out the official domain for this program. If you don't know what a domain is, it's my own website. Right now I have that free website. But many of you are loving what you're hearing, and you're sending love to the program. Hence why we are streaming on three different places tonight. And, of course, we want to say thanks to our radio affiliates in Hillsborough, Ohio, on 106.9 FM, WLRU, And, of course, in the Valentine, Texas market on 1610 AM and streaming at valentineradio.net. But we're in all these other places as well, and soon we'll have a listen line where you can just listen over the phone if you're away from Internet, if you don't want to use your data plan on your phone, or if you're away from Wi-Fi. So all this stuff is happening, and I encourage you to uh, keep uh, keep up with it all. Give me a like on the Facebook page at Into the Parabnormal, and follow at Parabnormal Show on Twitter. Back to Tom Pettit right now. Tom, there's a couple of stories that I would like to get your reaction to, and we were talking earlier uh, actually about Russia as being one of the nine countries who has these nuclear warheads. And there's a story that from Russia, they call it a secret UFO war. It says the Kremlin has allegedly been fighting a war against giant underwater aliens and USOs, or unidentified submerged objects. Is that something you have dealt with in your research, USOs? Oh, oh yeah, that's been uh, that's been a, that stories have been around for for quite a while, um, both in in Russia and uh, from the United States. Uh, the the research has shown that uh, a large majority of UFOs are based in the ocean. They're based where we can't see them, we can't get to them. Uh, for them to be able to sail or fly through the ocean is not a problem. So it doesn't matter whether they're in the air or in the water. And the Russians have a lake over there uh, that they've they've had a lot of trouble with. It's a, it's a huge, it's one of the largest lakes in the world, and it's one of the deepest lakes in the world. And they've had trouble, uh, they're out there doing their their Navy practices and their Navy drills and their training, and they have a lot of instances where the UFOs will come up out of the water and play tag with them. They'll sit there and they'll watch them, or they'll they'll dive into the water, they'll make, they'll make a wake, and it'll disturb the ships, and they dart around the skies. And the Russians get brave enough, and they take pot shots at them. That our weaponry is... is there's no comparison. We cannot harm these vehicles in any way. 
So that that story is true, and it's also true for the United States uh, out in the Pacific Ocean and in the northern Atlantic Ocean. There have been many times that the United States Navy has uh, mm. taken fire on from UFOs, and we have returned fire. And they have dogged us and chased us around and followed us. And they have the ability to follow a nuclear submarine under the water. And as soon as the submarine comes up, there they are. The submarine dives, stays down for a few hours, comes back up. Hey, Mr. UFO is still there. So they can detect that stuff. And they follow us around the world no matter what. Yeah, this claim says that since early in the early Soviet area uh, era, rather, there have been strange and alarming reports about Russian Navy personnel encountering mysterious alien beings and underwater crafts in frozen northern waters, especially the East Siberian Sea. Although files and documents pertaining to the sightings and encounters have been kept secret, there were several that were leaked including one that suggests that Russian authorities have been struggling secretly for decades with the threat of mysterious alien beings and unidentified submersible objects. What say you? 818-672-6865. Also, we have a story that um, mentions another secret army of UFOs that is plotting war against us from under the sea which sounds like a very similar story, but it is a little bit different. So my spin on that, Tom, could these USOs be getting involved with nuclear power as well? Oh, sure. They're they're more or less put in charge of following our, our nuclear warships around. Uh, not only are our, our warships are nuclear-powered, but some of them are also nuclear-armed. And it's a lot easier for the UFOs that are quote-unquote based in the water to track and keep an eye on our ships that are in the water. And it's it's, it's been a problem. I wouldn't say a problem. It's, it's been an event since the development of nuclear-powered ships, and since we put nuclear weapons on nuclear-powered ships, uh, they seem to leave a trace that these uh, extraterrestrial craft don't have a problem finding. Mm -hmm. Tom, I appreciate you coming on the program tonight and uh, sharing your research, which is a whole lot more lengthy than my research into the paranormal, so I like having folks like you on because you've done an awful lot of research you can hear tom shuffling the papers there i like that because that actually means that tom likes to back this up with fact he's not just blowing smoke or talking out of his you know what he's actually fishing for the evidence so he makes sure that he gets it right at some particular point tom at one point you have to you have to get this into a book so let me know if i can help out with that i sure will I can already I can already sense a, a very very catchy title for that as well. Tom, your your final thoughts tonight on all of these subjects that we've talked about? Well, I think um, my final thoughts is uh, based on a lot of study 
a lot of reading of a lot of documents, a lot of watching a lot of documentaries, and personally emailing people that have been involved in this uh, subject for many, many more years than I have. Uh, these people, uh, they're not crazy, they're not lunatics. Uh, some of them are former military uh, with very high rankings, and there's no reason for them to make up stories and lie about, about this. Most of them are making no money doing this. They just want to tell their story. And uh, luckily, they have people they can talk to like me, and, uh, and I believe them, and I believe their documentation and I see no reason why any normal person couldn't do the same research and come up with the same conclusions. Tom Pettit, my guest tonight, I appreciate your time. Best to you. Thank you very much, sir. Absolutely. That's Tom Pettit joining us tonight, well past the witching hour. So have you seen this uh, this activity tonight? I mean, this is now prime pickings for Venus and Jupiter aligning in the sky, appearing to almost touch each other, an event that is rare, and that won't happen again until 2065. As I speak to you right now, it is just now dark outside. You can no longer see anything if there's not a street light on. So the sky has darkened. And if I were in the right place, which I just may venture out into a location where I can get a pretty good glimpse of this, I will maybe do a Periscope or a Facebook Live. That's if I can get to a location tonight where I can see this with relative, I guess, clarity. And if you have encountered this rare event tonight... If you're maybe thinking that aliens are invading us as I speak to you, as you look out your window, or maybe you are out on your deck enjoying one of the final few weekends of summer, look up and tell me what you see, 818-672-6865. That's 818-672-6865, or Skype into Pair Abnormal. Again, tomorrow night I will be here at this very same time. I hope to have you along for the program. My guest will be Preston Dennett. Alien zoos, extraterrestrial contact, and so much more will be the topics tomorrow with Preston Dennett. I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but I think that the the whole nuclear or nuclear, depending on which president is speaking about the issue. Well, that situation is definitely very, very concerning. It is to me. It should be to you as well. We've got some time for you to end the program, so if you have any thoughts on this, I would love to hear those. As for mine, it doesn't settle very nicely with me that there are 37,000 of these warheads that we can on demand, do something with. 27,000 of these come armed to deploy. America, Canada, Russia, Great Britain, Australia, India, and Pakistan, and at least two other nations have these in their possession. And 442 nuclear power plants 
worldwide also should concern you as it does me. Now we saw in Fukushima what can happen. The reports I don't think have really ever ended from that situation. There were uh, there was rather debris that was washing up on the shores here in Oregon even as recent as probably 2014. So we're talking about several years after that event, and yet this stuff was still coming ashore. And if it was radioactive, how would you like that? Imagine maybe you're in some location right now and listening on your smartphone. There's got to be someone out there who's taken me to the beach with them this weekend. And you're out there enjoying a time, and you see the waves come in, and you see the waves go out, and in with that should come a little bit of debris. Maybe it has Japanese writing or symbols or something of the kind. I certainly wouldn't want to be the person who found that. Don't touch it. That's for sure. Because if you do, you never really know whether or not it is radioactive or not. The fact of the matter is, thousands of miles away, this stuff is showing up years later. And so if you escalate this... And maybe there's a war targeting these nuclear power plants. And we start to trigger something on the grander scale. Boy, really look out. Because if you think an EMP is a significant and a severe threat, which it certainly is, just wait until we have a nuclear meltdown. With these reactors starting to heat up and getting ready to blow their tops. And the nuclear waste has actually been dealt with here in my state. So Tom is exactly right. This nuclear waste is getting sent to the United States from other countries. You know, I still find it interesting why we have to solve the world's problems. I believe... That being a humanitarian is something that we should do when we can. In fact, I saw a really cool incident at a restaurant the other night where there was this homeless gentleman who clearly was having some hard times and had probably seen better days and probably didn't really have much to be able to order something at that said restaurant, but he at least came in and tried. And the people who came and helped him out get an award in my book because while I don't necessarily agree that that is the answer in all situations that you should give someone a hand out, you should really give them a hand up. I believe they gave him a hand up because much like when you find someone who's down on their luck and you give them money, you wonder what they're going to do with it. Well, in this situation, there was no mistake. This guy needed to eat. And back to the the point, which is the U.S. solving the rest of the world's problems is something that someday we're going to have to stop because someday there is going to be a dire situation here at home that we need to worry about ourselves before we worry about other people. It's like when you board a plane... 
and they tell you, make sure that you put your life vest on first before you help a child? I mean, who would really do that? If your child was next to you and you knew that your plane was going down, what would you do? Put your life vest on first or help your child? I think most of us would probably help the child first and then would help ourselves second. At least that's the kind of world that I live in. But those other people have to want help, of course, first. And uh, in, in many situations, they do want our help because we are great humanitarians. But I think rather than fighting everybody else's wars for themselves, we really should be worrying about the threat that lies here, the nuclear threat, the EMP threat. And I'm sorry, friends, but I don't think an alien invasion is really a threat. Because from all accounts, if they haven't done it now, and like Tom Pettit, who believes that they've been around for millions of years, nearly four out of five Canadians believe in extraterrestrial life. A belief isn't strong enough to say that they are actually here. And if they are here, and they were going to start an invasion, why haven't they done it yet? Certainly is something that is worth pondering about. I hope as you go to bed tonight, which I know many of you are about to do on the East Coast, and some of you in other parts of the region will start to do before too long, at least know tonight that we did make you think and wonder what could be. Because nuclear war is a real threat. Reactors melting down and heating up is a real possibility. And I wouldn't want to be near one of these places at that particular point in time. Tomorrow, I will be back here at this same time, at this same place, to welcome Preston Dennett to the program. It's my first Sunday special, my first of many. We'll be doing that the final Sunday of the month. So that means the last weekend of the month, you have twice of me to look forward to. Preston Dennett uh, tomorrow night. E.T. and UFO Encounters. From the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, I'm Jeremy Scott. Good evening.